If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. While you are turning there, I do want to announce that uh, the school district put out an email today uh, that they are shutting all the schools down through the weekend. And so we will not be having service um, this coming weekend. And, of course, we are uh, very disappointed about that. And uh, we still pray that all we get is just a little wind or nothing at all. We certainly don't want that thing coming in our direction or anyone's direction. Lord dissipated out in the ocean. And we know he can. We've seen him do it multiple times in the past. And uh, what a glorious God we serve. Amen. Amen. And But just needed to make that announcement. We will be sending out uh, emails and phone tree to everyone. Pastor will probably do a 11 a.m. Uh, Facebook Live uh, message. And so we'll get that information out as well. You can just look at it from home. We did that in our last hurricane. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we had a lot of fun. And so we will uh, be doing that again as well, coming together uh, on uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook Live. Assuming that the power is still on, the Internet is still up, and uh, all of those uh, wonderful things. Second Peter chapter 1, verse number 1, to our guests, we're so thankful you are with us. We pray that you are blessed tonight already from just the worship and that the word of the Lord will speak to you here this evening. Simon Peter, servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. According as his divine will, power hath given unto us all things and pertained unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great promises, exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, add to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness charity. And then verse number 8, Verse number nine makes some uh, really powerful statements to us. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things. Now, these things that Paul the Apostle is um is speaking about here uh, in the word, I'm sorry, Peter, is speaking about in his book or the things that he mentioned in the uh, previous uh, text and, and that is uh, adding uh, to our knowledge temperance and temperance, patience, patience, godliness, etc. And that if we have these things, then we will be fruitful in the Lord. But if we lack these things, verse 9, uh, he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if we do these things, and here it is, ye shall never fail. That's pretty powerful words. Ye shall never fail. And for me to read that in the word of the Lord here in our text should stir something up inside of me to better understand what these things are. What do they mean? How do I acquire them in my walk with God? How do they become a part of my life as I walk through this world serving God and uh, working in the kingdom of the Lord? And this is our third Wednesday night dealing with these scriptures. Uh, and uh, we'll probably have four or five or six more Wednesday nights. But uh, Pastor is wanting to take the time to get a good look at what Peter is speaking about when he says, add these things to us. 
Father, we come to you tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you have kept us in health and you have brought us to the house of God here this evening. We give you praise for that. We pray for our brothers and sisters whose health may not be strong this evening. God, that you would touch them and that you would strengthen them. Those brothers and sisters of Christ whose jobs have them away from the house of the Lord, that you might rearrange their schedule, that they might be able to come to the house of God. Lord, those who are tired in body that you might give them strength we pray lord that god you would bring your your children together on wednesday night that we might hear the word of the lord speak to us who are here open the word that our ears might hear that our minds might understand and our hearts receive I pray, God, that we will leave here strengthened by the word of the living God. And everybody say amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, add to your faith. May the Lord bless you. You can be seated. With powerful scriptures, uh, we, have, uh, we have read. And uh, we talked about this now for a couple of Wednesday nights couple of things that we saw in the scriptures dealing with the foundation uh, before we launched into these verses was uh, something that uh, Peter said there in the beginning of this uh, chapter. He said, Simon Peter, a servant. And he said, a servant before he said an apostle. And we wanted to get that understanding that above our calling, be above our title, above our position, more important than anything that you may climb up in the ladder of religion, if you please, any position that you may acquire uh, in, uh, in the kingdom of God, more important than that, you and I must always understand we are servants. Because you will not, if you're a Sunday school teacher, you're not going to be a Sunday school teacher everywhere as you go. You're going to do that on a Sunday morning in a classroom when you minister to the children. Uh, you may be of another position in the church, for there are so, so many. And uh, work and, and be strong in the kingdom of God in those areas and serve the kingdom. But no matter where you go and no matter who you meet, we are always servants of the Lord and servants to one another. Can you put your hands together unto him? And so Simon Peter established with us that he was a servant to the Lord and that he was also a servant to brothers and sisters. Philippians chapter 2 verse number 3 tells us, let us esteem others better than themselves. The Bible is full of the Word of God and Scripture that talks about uh, preferring our brothers and preferring our sisters before we even prefer ourselves. And everybody say, a servant. We talked about uh, those few words that Simon Peter used there before he launched into add to your faith and to your virtue and to your knowledge and all of these things. He said, and beside this, uh, when you read through verses 1 through 5, Simon Peter mentions some things there that is so powerful. He talks in those verses that given unto us was all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Think about that. Everything we need to be successful and happy and content uh, in this life, God has given them unto us. In those five verses, he talked about that what was given unto us was exceeding and great promises. Exceeding great and precious promises. And so Simon Peter mentions here that all that we need for life has been given to us. The promises of God, which are great and precious, have been given to us. But he doesn't stop there. He said that we might be partakers of the divine nature of God. And then he says that you and I have escaped the corrupt nature of this world that comes through lust. All 
of these things are given to us. But he goes on to say, beside all of this. You mean there is more, Simon. There is something else that we should look for. Oh, yes. He continued to say, give all diligence. In other words, after we look back at the precious promises, after we look back at the gifts of life, after we realize we have been redeemed from the corruption of fallen flesh and humanity, he says, then you and I are to pursue with all diligence, giving all diligence, zeal, great effort, begin to pursue. Pursue what? To add, to add, to minister additionally, to go above and beyond, to take what God has given us. For the Bible says the gift or the measure of faith has been given unto every man. Peter said we need to take that faith and we need to add to it. But not just uh, haphazardly, not just uh, occasionally, but he said it needs to be exceedingly. And we need to do it with great effort that we should strive to bring balance into our life. He said add to your faith. We learn that this faith that Peter's talking about here, it is not so much in what we believe as much it is as in whom we believe. My faith is more than a doctrine. Jesus said, I am the way, life, and truth. My faith is more than a set of rituals or rules or laws or do's or don'ts or gatherings or socials or church or organization. My faith is beyond all of that. My faith is not so much what as it is in whom. I have learned who he is. I have learned his name. I have got to know him. Oh! He has come into my life. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's a personal relationship. It's me and him. We walk every day. We talk every day. We commune every day. Every day I learn something else about him. Something great. Something wonderful. Something magnificent about my Savior. Do you believe that? Do you live that? Do you feel that? And so Simon Peter says we need to add to that faith. This faith that he's talking about, it needs to be the foundation of everything else. James put it this way in 2 and 14. He said, what does it profit my brethren that though a man say he has faith and have not works, can faith save him? He goes on to say, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. What James is trying to say here and religion, they'll destroy this and, and, and you know they'll twist it because you and I we all know we're not saved by works uh, not by any deed we have done or our righteousness our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of the Lord that's not the works that James is talking about there's nothing you and I can do to get in heaven but once I'm in heaven once I'm in faith once I'm in him once I'm in the kingdom there's a lot I can do and James said are you really in the faith? Are you really in the kingdom? Has God really redeemed you? Have you really been called out? Well, if you have, uh, there's some things you're going to do. You're going to get excited. You're going to get up. You're going to go forth. You're going to be a witness. You're going to be a powerhouse. Uh, you're going to bless somebody. You're going to help somebody. He said, show me your faith by your works. Do you really believe? Do you really trust? That's what he's talking about. If we really believe, if we really trust. And that word there uh, is uh, so, so uh, incredible. That word faith there. The foundation of, of, uh, of everything here. And then the word add where he says add to your faith. Uh, we looked into that. 
and uh, it means it, it's the same kind of meaning as to bring things together so that they work together so that they harmonize together that's what the word add there means so it's not arbitrarily adding it's not just throwing things in the pile and that they don't come together and, and work together the Bible says we're fitly framed together that we come together that we're parts of a body and we have the eye and the ears and the nose and the feet and the hands and the legs and the arms and every part has its place and its duty this is the kind of ad that uh, that is being spoken about by Peter here you're not just adding anything you don't just go out and grab no no you're walking in God you're learning every day God is adding to your life he's adding to your faith and it's all coming together and it's producing a powerhouse and it's producing glory on the inside of you works will come out and the Bible says men will see your good works and they will glorify the father that is in heaven as God continues to add to us I don't know about you but I'm so thankful he didn't leave me where he found me oh no he didn't he reached into my life he found an old drunkard an old drug addict he dressed him up he brought him out and he began to teach him and he began to add to his life and he began to change things around that's what God did for us and so Peter says, don't take this faith. Don't take this experience and, and just let it lay dormant. Don't be satisfied with the fact that God has redeemed you and brought you out of sin and corruption. But we need to begin to diligently work in our walk with God and add to that every day that we might become something powerful and useful in the kingdom of God. I don't want to just be a church attender. I don't want to just be a name on a roll somewhere. I don't want to just be a face on a seat somewhere. I want to have an impact in the world. I, I want to be a part of the kingdom. I want to know that there's fruit bearing out of my life. In order to do that, we have to add. And so this word there means like a, like a chorus leader, a choir leader bringing parts together and causing them to work in harmony and coming forth. And so Simon says, add to your faith. And so faith is the foundation. Faith is what leads. Anything outside of faith is sin, the Word of God says. Everything that we do must be done in faith, by faith, and, uh, and through faith. Amen. I'm going to try to get to my message tonight. Add to your faith virtue. We talked about that a little bit. Moral excellency. But that word there, we dealt with this. It really means to have uh, courage. To have moral power. Uh, righteous boldness on the inside of you. Uh, Simon Peter said, you have faith? He said, add to that faith virtue. You cannot let you cannot let your faith remain dormant. You have to add to it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Watch ye stand uh, fast. How? In the faith. Do what? Quit you like men and be strong. Jude said in 1 and 3, he said, Contend for the faith. We see men uh, in the New Testament like Stephen who was stoned while he was preaching this. Paul talks to us in Thessalonians 2 and 2. But even after that we had suffered uh, before were shamefully entreated as you know uh, at Philippi. We were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God with much condition. Come on apostolics. It's time to just quit having the faith. It's time to add verse virtue to that faith. It's time to add a boldness to that faith, a courageousness to that faith, a strength to that faith that'll cause you to rise up and speak out about our Lord and our Savior. Want to get distracted and I know every once in a while I kind of go crazy and I don't know one day I keep saying this I'll probably end up in jail but I want to tell you what we live in a vile filthy deceptive world and they are trying to shove their 
doctrines down our throat. You want to, I dealt with this last Wednesday. You want to talk about free speech. Uh, they're the only ones that believe they have a right to talk. You begin to talk about God and they want to shut you up. You begin to speak something about Jesus as a savior and a healer and a lover of the souls of men uh, and that there's a right way to live and a wrong way to live. Uh, they want to shut all of that up. Friend, they don't believe in freedom of speech. They only believe in their speech. And that's why we got to add to our faith a little virtue. We can't tuck tail like a little afraid puppy hide in a corner somewhere. We've got more than a right. We've got an obligation. There is a world that is lost and dying. They're trying to shove their doctrine down your children's throat. They're trying to convince our kids that there's male and female and everything else in between. The Bible says in the beginning God created them male and female. I saw something a few days ago. I want to tell you it upset me. It was a, a, like a little advertisement for some kind of a medicine. And it was basically an advertisement for a medicine. A preventative medicine that is given uh, to those who are living uh, in uh, illicit immoral lifestyles. Uh, whether it's just fornication or whether it's homosexuality or lesbianism. And they said if you'll take this... Uh, It'll prevent you from getting AIDS. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? You telling me that you know their lifestyle will cause diseases. Yet instead of standing up and saying it's wrong and cleanse it and stop it and get rid of it. No, you want to invent your little medicines so you can stay in your sin. You better hear this preacher tonight. Apostolics, it's time to stand up. This world is going to hell in a handbasket and the church is the only thing standing between them and a flaming fire. We've got to add virtue to our faith. we got to get some boldness to our faith. We've got to learn to stand up. Speak it in love. They're trying to turn your children. They're pumping this stuff in them in the third grade. All right. I'm just trying to get this church to the level that when I talk about sin, you don't clam up. It took me about a year just to get you there. Sin is sin, whether it's drunkenness or immorality or cussing or pornography, or fornication, or adultery. That's right, world. These things are sin. They're wrong. They're wrong. They're ungodly. They're against the Word of God. All right, I'm just sounding like crazy old man now. He tells us, are we filming this? Wow. Find somebody who knows how to edit. I'm just kidding. But even after that, we had suffered. He said, we stood back up and we began to preach. We need a virtue inside of our faith. Ephesians 1 and 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And then we're to add knowledge. We talked about it. Add knowledge to that virtue. So, Peter says, you got to take your faith. You got to know whom you believe in. You got to take that faith. You got to add a boldness to it. It's called virtue. He said, but then you have to add a little knowledge to that virtue so I can lead you and I can guide you and I can teach you and I can show you the things to do right. And I want to tell you what knowledge will do for you. Daniel chapter 11 verse number 32. But the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. I want to tell you friend when you get knowledge on the inside of you and you understand this word faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God when you get the word of God in you you get a knowledge of your God in you and you got a boldness in you you're going to begin to go out and you're going to do exploits and people's lives are going to be changed you're going to turn people from sin because the glory of God is going to be upon you and his power is going to rest upon you that knowledge 
<laughs> Paul said, I want to know him. I want to know him in his suffering. I want to know him uh, in his victories of resurrection. Hey, it doesn't matter. I want to know all parts of Christ. I want to know everything about him. I don't want to just be over here preaching on the healing, bless me, blab it, grab it side of things. Uh, everything's a blessing. Everybody ought to be rich. Everybody ought to drive a Cadillac. Uh, if, you're, if, you, if you're not rich, you must be doing something wrong. And you got sickness in your body, you must be doing something wrong. I think we preached about that a little bit on Sunday. But don't take that out of context text because I want to tell you that is a false doctrine. Jesus Christ looked at his disciples and he said every day that you get up you're going to have to pick up your cross and you're going to have to follow after me. He said the world hates me and the world is going to hate you. The world persecuted me and the world is going to persecute you. He said they're going to saw you asunder. They're going to crucify you upside down. They're going to stone you to death. There's all kinds of oh listen it can't just be I want to know him in the power of his resurrection but I've got to be willing to know him in the suffering because it's the world that we live in oh yes he will bless you he will help you he will be there for you but every once in a while we may a little bit we may have to struggle a little bit but it's the same God it's the same Christ nothing has changed power has not diminished glory has not left Paul said he's Christ whether he's getting up out of the grave and he's Christ whether he's dying on the cross He's still God. He's still God. <clears throat> he said, we ended with that last Wednesday. And then he said, add to knowledge, temperance. Everybody say temperance. Tell your neighbor, you don't want to know about it. Self-control. Self-control. I wish it was more like remote control. So I could just look on that remote and say, ah, oh, there's the do good button. And when I'm being tempted to do bad, I can go, eh. Woo. Awesome, I'm good. Remote control. But it's not remote control, is it? God doesn't remote control you at all. He gives me and you everything that we need to succeed, everything that we need to be victorious. I am more than a conqueror, the Bible says, through Christ Jesus who strengtheneth me. He gives me all the strength I need. Peter talked to us. He gave us all the things about life that we will ever need. But we are not remotely controlled by God. We have to bring ourselves under subjection. Paul the apostle said, let us cleanse ourselves. Let us cleanse ourselves. Let us cleanse ourselves. Let us cleanse ourselves. God comes in, he washes you clean, he forgives you of sin, and you, that old man even dies and a new man comes up. All those things are 100% true. But you and I both know, if we get out of the word, if we stop praying, if we miss church a few services, if we find ourselves just out of the power and the spirit of God for a little while, the old man has a way of rising back up, trying to take control all over over again. Paul Peter said when you get that knowledge that's wonderful. You can do exploits with knowledge. You can do wonderful things with knowledge but you're going to have to add temperance to your life. Temperance will help you not to become judgmental. Temperance will help you not to follow after sin, walk in the flesh and die of the lust thereof. Temperance will give you the ability to stay fast, pull yourself together, plant your feet stand against adversity no matter the temptation no matter how difficult I know he is with me and he loves me 
does. And if I fall, knowledge tells me a just man fall is seven times, but he gets up again. And when I get up, temperance will help me to get my act back together and form my path in Christ all over again. We've got to bring temperance into our relationship. He said, add to your knowledge temperance. Add self-control. Refers to the, excuse me, refers to the mastery over all evil inclinations and appetites. Anybody got an appetite? We are to allow none of them, here's the key, to gain control. Over us. That's what temperance does. Temperance does not stop you from being tempted, it will not prevent it. Temperance will not even prevent you necessarily from failing every once in a while. But if you got temperance in your life, that thing that has come against you will never gain control of your life. Temperance will bring enough discipline into you that though you are struggling and you're not walking that line perfectly straight like none of us do. And every once in a while you stumble a little bit to, let's say, to my left. Stumble to the left in the area of of sin of some kind of way, whether it's rebellion or greed or anger or lust or whatever it may be. And then you straighten up and you make your maybe you sometimes we even get a little bit too righteous and, and then we have a way of finding the middle. Then we're back to the left, back to the middle, back to the right. But I'm going to tell you what temperance does. Temperance has got this boundary that's drawn. It's like the edge of the road. We want the center of the road. We understand there's two lanes. But I want to tell you what temperance is. Do you ever go out of the, off the lane, off the road, on the interstate and you begin to hear, whoa, 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 whoa that's temperance temperance comes and says you're way too far to the right you're way too far to the left you've got to add you got to straighten up if you don't pull over there's an accident that's coming that's why we got to get self-control inside of our life you got to put Boundaries. Most self-control will come from inside. But I want to tell you something. If I know I'm weak in an area, I need to find some, uh, what do you call that, uh, accountability. I need to let a brother Steve become a little, a little temperance in my life. That he can, I can say, Steve, I got a problem in this area. I mess up here. And Steve can keep an eye on me. And if he can see me leaning over there and I'm getting a little rough and a little mean, he can come up and he can become my temperance and say, Pastor, you just asked me to do this for you. And so here I am. We need to get boundaries in our life. We need to get temperance in our life. We need to get self-control in our life. We have problems in area. Bring people into your life to help you. You know, give them access to your phone. Give them access to your computer let them if you have problems in that area if it's uh you're married and you have a problem flirting find one of your friends that don't if you've got one and say hey keep an eye on me i love my wife i love my children but i'm telling you i'm just battling in this area could be a woman Love my husband. I love my children. But I'm battling in this area. Could be a co-worker if they're saved. Johnny over there, he's been messing with me. I'm assuming the other one's a woman. Johnny's over there been messing with me and pulling at me. And, and uh, I just want to tell you it feels good. Listen, I'm just being real. 
This is how it happens. It's how it happens. You start receiving compliments because they sound good. You start letting them, and then they start doing little things for you, and it feels good. And, and, and it's just the old devil bringing it in one little step at a time. And the next thing you know, the pinkies are touching. And then you're rubbing elbows. Then you're rubbing shoulders. And next thing you know, oh, you're tired. And so the little massage feels so good. And all this stuff just keeps going on and on and on. What you need is some temperance. And it might be a co-worker. You got you to be honest with yourself. And you got to go to somebody and say, hey, I'm having trouble in this area. I need you to help me. I want to put the location of my phone on your phone so you can follow me. When I get near this location, I need you to call me. I need control. I need temperance. And I'll tell you what will happen. After a while, you'll get stronger and stronger and stronger. And then you'll find yourself, you won't go off the road anymore. You'll be staying in the lane. But if we don't get honest with ourselves, we lie to ourselves. We justify our actions. And then the next thing you know, the fire is burning in your bosom. And there's nothing you can do to control it or to get it out. Temperance will prevent you from ever getting to that place. He said, add temperance to your knowledge. Add self-control to your life. And if you can't do it yourself, get somebody else to help you do it. Temperance is one of the, one of the gifts of the Spirit. Galatians 5 and 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against which there is no... There is no law. Temperance is a sign of maturity because trees and branches don't bear fruit till they've matured. When you're able to begin to bear the fruits of the Spirit in your life, it is a sign that you are growing up, that you are, that you are getting strong. And, and the Bible tells us in Titus it was a qualification for a bishop, a qualification uh, for, uh, for an elder. In the word of the Lord, temperance affects both our relationship with God. I want you to, I want you to see this. I got so much here that the Lord wants to talk to us about. Temperance affects both our relationship with God as well as our relationship with our brothers and sisters. Temperance is, temperance relationship to knowledge. Look at First uh, Corinthians eight and eight, and I'll come back to this other statement in just a moment. In First Corinthians eight and eight, but meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat or we better, neither if we eat not or we the worse. Paul the Apostle starts out here by dealing with the relationship between temperance and knowledge. Uses something that we would all desire, right? Everybody wants to go home and eat a steak. If you're a vegetarian, you go home and eat something that looks like a steak made out of rice. Paul is addressing our non-sinful lust desires. You got that? He said, he said, listen, whether you eat meat or don't eat meat, neither one of those are going to help you get closer to God. So he is addressing non-sinful desires in our life. We have desires in our life that's not necessarily sin. Now, if you over-desire it, it can become that way. But you, you know what I'm talking about. You can go into a, a lady, you can go into a dress shop, and you can see a beautiful dress, and, uh, and it's $122. And if you're my wife, you won't buy that till it gets down to $2. And, and you'll go back every week to see if it's still there and they get it all the way down to three dollars and she says one more dollar i'm gonna buy that dress and somebody comes and buys that dress at three dollars and she'll say well it must not have been the will of god i'm like woman you could have saved me 122 dollars 119 dollars Anyway, you know, but what I'm saying is you can desire that dress. That's not a sin. There's nothing wrong with that. Temperance might help you wait till it's a little cheaper. But even if you decide to splurge a little bit, as long as you pay your tithes and offering, foreign missions and pledges and sanctuary offering and everything else we have here at Sanctuary. 
long as you got all that done, you can buy that, and that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Paul the Apostle says here, he says, I want you to understand something. Whether you buy that dress or don't buy that dress doesn't bring you any closer or any further from God. And so he's talking about our unsinful desires of humanity. There are those things in which we desire that are not sin. They neither, they neither affect us uh, yea or nay with the Lord. Paul addresses our non-sinful lusts and desires that we have knowledge and liberty. Here we go. We have knowledge of liberty of our own willingness uh, to temper and sacrifice some pleasures in this life. Paul the apostle, uh, he goes on hold. Let, let me continue here. Just keep all these thoughts. I'm going to bring it all together in about two hours. There are some things that we can do that are not sinful, nor do they tempt us to the point of sin, but they may be a stumbling block for our brother. So Paul starts out by saying, whether you buy that or not, whether you eat that steak or you don't eat that steak, it's not going to bring you closer to God or bring you further for God. But then he reaches out to left field and he pulls in another variable. And he says, but besides God, I want to bring another layer into your life. It's called your brother. So maybe you have the liberty in God to do it, but you still need to check and see, uh, is it okay, it's okay here, but is it okay there? And it could be not okay on this level to one another, and it may be not because you're wrong, but because the brother is weak, the Bible says. He's immature. He doesn't have the knowledge. He doesn't understand the liberty. He sees you eating that meat. He thinks that meat is uh, offered to idols, uh, and he immediately feels uh, you are an idol worshiper, or that it's okay to go out and eat meat that's been sacrificed uh, unto idols. And so Paul, the apostle, he makes an aggressive statement he says as long as the earth standeth if I know I have liberty to do something but it will offend my brother I will bring temperance into my life I will bring self control into my life and I will not do it even though I could because I love my brother He says, let me play with this a little bit more. He says in 1 Corinthians 89, but take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to them that are weak. Notice what he calls it. He calls it a liberty. That means you and I have the freedom to do it. And the only thing that's going to prevent us from doing it is by adding temperance to our knowledge. And so we have the knowledge. We understand that if I do this, it'll offend my brother. But most of us will say to ourselves, well, they need to grow up. Well, they need to get stronger. Well, I'm not going to suffer just because they can't figure a few things out. Paul the Apostle says, you need to add some temperance to your life. And you need to say, I do prefer my brother. I don't need this. It's a pleasure. It's not a necessity. And I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to go. I'm not, none of these things if it offends my brother. He goes on to talk about that in, in verses uh, 10 and 11. Verse 11, and though thy knowledge shall be weak, though, and through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish. So Paul is saying, okay, wisecracker, I understand. I understand that you're mature. I understand that you're strong. I understand that you can do these things and you will survive. You have the knowledge and the wisdom and the understanding that these things are not going to affect your relationship with God. But that weaker brother, that weaker immature sister who is just starting out, or maybe they've been in church for 30 years, but they just simply never grew up. And you have the knowledge. You know. You know it will offend them. Paul said, be careful that your knowledge of liberty doesn't send somebody else to hell. And so our temperance isn't only between us and God so that our relationship can be right between me and God. My temperance is about being right with me and my brother and me and my sister and learning to be a servant to them. And if there are things that are going to offend them, I'm not going to do it. 
Amen. I know this is, this is tough, tough teaching. Verse 12, let's continue on. I, I got to come to a close. But when you sin so against the brethren, and this is so powerful. Look what he finally says in, uh, in verse number 12. He says, but when you sin so against the brethren. Now, all of a sudden, Paul the apostle went from calling your action, he went from calling it liberty to sin. Because the moment our liberty offends a brother with our knowledge. Remember, we're adding temperance to knowledge. The moment my liberty offends a brother or a sister with my knowledge, knowing that this is going to offend them, Paul says it's no longer a liberty, it's a sin. And he said not only is it a sin against the brother, he said, but when you sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, he said, you sinned against Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you, pastor and probably everyone in this building is guilty of this verse. There are things that we do, places we go, things we say that does not affect our relationship. We are mature, we are strong, we are balanced. We can do these things, say these things. I am not justifying sin by any means. Remember how we started out these verses. Paul started out talking about desires and wants and things to do that were not sin. That's where we started out. He said, if you do this, it doesn't draw you closer to God or it doesn't take you away from God. This is not a sin issue, Paul said, but it can become a sin issue if you don't bring temperance into your life and add it to your knowledge, knowing that it will offend your brother, yet you do it anyway. He said, then it becomes sin. And you don't only sin against your brother and you sin against Christ. Now, you don't hear this teaching very often, but it's in the word of God and it's true and we need to learn to live it. It's part of being a servant to our brethren. That's what it is. If we're a true servant to our brother and sister and we find out that something that we are doing is offensive to them and it's not necessary, it's just a pleasure, then we will cease doing it at least, follow me now, at least until we can sit down with that brother and teach them a Bible study and show them that this is not a sin. Paul the Apostle talks later. He says, he says, look, if you sacrifice that cow to an idol, don't tell me. I don't want to know. I want to sit down and enjoy that bone-in filet mignon. Every bite of it. He said, because if you tell me, if you enrich my knowledge that this cow was sacrificed to an idol, I'm going to have to get up and I'm going to have to walk away. Wait a minute. Not because I think that even though I eat that steak, there's any wrong, bad, or good between me and God. That's not the point. The moment I know it's sacrificed, the moment I have the knowledge it's sacrificed to an idol, I will not take the chance of offending one of my brothers and sisters. That's right. It's about adding temperance to knowledge. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 13. Hurry along here. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will, I will eat no flesh while, while the world standeth. Okay. Paul the apostle does not only speak about the relationship between our knowledge and temperance, which affects our relationship between us and our brothers and sisters, but he also talks about temperance when it comes to our personal walk with God and how it affects our process. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. All things are lawful to me, but not all things but not all things are expedient now he's changed his uh his approach in these verses just a little bit remember the other set of verses was i can do this it's no problem it's neither here nor there doesn't draw me closer doesn't push me away as long as i'm not offending a brother or a sister but now paul is approaching a little bit different he says now all things are lawful to me but all things are not expedient all things are lawful for me but I will not be brought under the power of any and so Paul the apostle says now we need to begin to rec recognize ourselves when it comes to temperance if there are things that we are doing in our life and it has gained power over us <coughs> excuse me then Paul the apostle says I will stop 
I realize it doesn't, it's not sinful. It's not that it's a sin, but it has power over me. How do you know it has power over you? You get up thinking about it. You go to bed thinking about it. You come to church waiting for church to get over so you can go home and do it. While you're saying Jesus, it has power over you. It might be french fries at McDonald's. I don't know. But there's something that has power over you. And Paul said, I'm going to bring temperance in my life, and I'm not going to let anything have power over me. Now listen, every one of us need to be hearing this, because all of us can find this in our life. It it could be a personal relationship. It could be a a game or something we do, a show, uh, a place we go, uh, reading. Uh, The list just goes on and on. Look at verse number 23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. In other words, I don't have to have them. All things are lawful, but all things edify not. Paul said, there's some criteria that I'm going to put down here. And I'm going to look at this. And if I'm doing something pretty often, maybe a little more often than I should, I'm going to stop and I'm going to ask a question. Does this edify me? And if it doesn't edify me, it's time to lay it down. It's getting power over me. Now, if it edifies me, I might just control it a little bit, but I'll keep doing it because it brings edification to me and God and the brethren. But if there's no value to it at all, and I'm just doing it too much, Paul says, I don't think so. That's where I draw the line. Are you still with me, or is this just really boring? Galatians 5 and 13. For brethren, ye have been called to liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. He said, I know you're free. And I I know if you're mature and strong, there's a lot of things that you can do. But be careful that you don't justify something that you are feeding your flesh over. Just because you have a liberty and a maturity and a virtue and a strength and you'll walk with God. And I think many of us need to reevaluate what's going on in our life and bring temperance back in our life. We need to say, I'm spending way too many hours doing this and this just does not edify me. I wish my young gamers were here tonight. but They're in the back probably talking about games. No, I'm kidding. They got great teachers back there. But there's just some things that we need to look at and say, I'm putting too many hours into this. And this actually adds no value to my life. It doesn't bring me closer to my wife. It doesn't bring me closer to my children. It doesn't bring me closer to my brothers and sisters. And it doesn't bring me closer to God. It adds nothing to me as a value of a man. It's not going to make me a better husband, a better father, a better brother. Uh, It's not going to increase any of my relationships, a better saint of God. None of these things are going to increase. It's just simply the flesh. It is an occasion for the flesh. It is a feeding to the flesh. It's all it does. And I'm not even saying that every once in a while isn't all right as long as it's not sin. Paul talked about that. It's okay if it's not sin. But now Paul's talking about, hey, I'm dealing with things that have been getting a hold of my life and they're just there too much. I know I've got a liberty and I know I've got power, but if there's no edification in it, I think I may need to lay it down. Okay, let me end this on a horrible note. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13. Meats are for the belly and the belly for meats. But God shall destroy both of them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. So there are some things that we are at liberty to do, and there are some things that we are not at liberty to do. Some things are just sin, right? Paul speaks here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 24. He begins to talk about discipline the body. And I'm only a few more minutes, and I'm done. Know ye not that they which run the race run all but one receiveth the prize? We know these scriptures. So run that ye may obtain, fight to win. Verse number 25, and every man that 
striveth for the mastery is what? Temperate. If you're going to win, you have to bring temperance into your life. You have to bring self-control into your life. I therefore so run not as uncertainty, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. I have control. I have direction. I have vision. I know where I'm going. And I'm going to tell you, men that are trying to win races and marathons and do these things, uh, they're not eating and partaking of a bunch of junk that, uh, you know, maybe it's not wrong or it's not sin, but it's not conducive to who they are and what they're trying to accomplish and that's what Paul's talking about he says I understand you have liberty I understand it's not a sin but maybe we need to reevaluate our lives and find out how many things that are weight maybe they're not the sin that easily beset us but Paul said lay aside every weight and sin and so he says maybe we need to examine ourselves and see those things that are just weights they just weigh on you Weigh you down a little at a time. They, they just chip away at you. Just one little chip at a time. Paul says it's time to recognize those things and see what they are and bring some self-control. And that's our problem. We just don't have any self-control. I want to tell you one of the most difficult things in the world for me was last night. It was 10:15, And I knew in that refrigerator. I knew it was whole milk, lactate, and cereal in the cabinet. And I battled with going to get that. Knowing if I did, my wife would regret it for the rest of the night. Somehow, some way, I pulled it in. I got self-control. And I went to bed. That's right. Now, would it have been sin for me to go get a bowl of cereal? No. But it had been stupid. It might have been bad for her. Self-control. And I know that's a silly example. But I didn't want to tell yours examples. They're horrible. 1 Corinthians 9 and 26. I therefore so run. Okay, keep under my body. I bring it under subjection. Look at this. But I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away. So Paul all of a sudden amplifies this. And he says, look, if you let these things get away from you. And you let things start controlling your life. And you don't bring your body under subjection. In the end, you just might be a castaway. If I ate enough of them bowls of cereal at night, I just might die of a heart attack in a few years when I could have lived another 20 years. You say, well, God's the giver and taker of life. Well, I certainly understand that. But if you don't think people die before their time, you need to read the Word of God. People die before their time, and it angers God. Proverbs 25 and 16. Have you found honey? Watch this. Have you found honey? Eat so much as sufficient for you, lest you feel therewith and vomit. Now, how many of us have sat down, except for Keith? Keith could sit down and eat five steaks and walk away feeling fine. But how many of you have sat down to a good meal and you start eating it and you get about halfway through and you know that if you stop right now, Brother Cooper, did you just look back at that clock? Okay. I saw you look. I, did he just look back at that clock? It's 817. I'm closing. I'm sorry. I don't normally teach this long. For my guests, I'm usually done at 815. I'm two minutes over. And you, you're halfway through that meal. You're halfway through. And you know if you stop right now that you can walk away from that table and go, Man, that was awesome. But you don't stop. Oh, no. You just keep shoving it down your mouth. And then what do you do? You walk away and you are miserable. And what could have been a pleasure became a misery. Because you had no temperance and no self-control. You say, oh, that's a, that's a little thing. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. 
I don't have to watch the big things in your life. If you don't have control over the little things, I know you don't have control over the big things. Proverbs 23 and 2, I'm closing. <laughs> he gets a little dramatic here. Put a knife to your throat. If you be a man given to appetite, he says. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. Temperance. He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Six and nine. How long will you sleep, O sluggard? When will you arise out of your sleep? Ye of little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come as one that travels and your want as an orange man. Does God want you to be poor? No. But if you slumber, you will be. Hebrews 13 and 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be temperate in your eating. Be temperate in your entertainment. Be temperate in your work. Be temperate in your sleep or lack thereof. Be temperate in your money. Be temperate in possessions. Be temperate in our time. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Add to your knowledge temperance. Because every one of us in this room, let's stand. Every one of us in this room know how to eat right. Yes, you do. And it's more about eating moderately than it is what you eat. Now, what you eat can matter. But we don't eat a tiny slice of apple pie. We eat half apple pie and half the gallon of ice cream. Yes, we do. We know, listen, we have the knowledge. Say, I have the knowledge. What we lack is the temperance. We lack the self-control. And so Peter says, you want to never fail? You want to succeed in God? You want to be successful in Christ in the kingdom of God? Add to your knowledge, to the things God tells you and shows you. You add to it self-control. Not God. It's not remote control. It's self-control. Now, what that tells me is that yes you can come on now we convince ourselves all the time i just couldn't resist i just couldn't overcome yes you can you have what it takes to resist you have he's he started it out by telling us he's given us all of the things of life that are necessary He's given you the ability to be temperate. So everybody say, I am going to add self-control to my knowledge. Lord, we stand before you tonight. We thank you for your word, your goodness, your power. I ask God that you would touch every one of us that are in this building. Many of us, God, were fighting we're fighting very difficult battles. Things in our life and situations and difficulties that have come against us that, that stir up our spirits and bring up anger or jealousy or bring up malice and different types of spirits and attitudes within us, God, that rise up. And we want to lash out and we want to respond. And God, we need temperance in our life. We need self-control in our life and we're asking you lord i'm praying god that you would help each and every one of us and those of us that may be even facing addictions god we've done things and and now we have stuff in our body then we are actually addicted to it god and and there's this chemical craving father i just pray in the mighty name of jesus i break that addiction by the power of the blood right now through the name of jesus christ give that 
individual the ability, give them the strength of restraint and self-control. God, to bring it in, Lord, into line and to be able to refuse. I pray, Lord, when we walk out of this building here tonight, God, the things we used to do that we know, whether they be sin or they not be sin, but God, we know that they don't add any virtue. They don't add to us, God, uh, uh, any value. Lord, no credit unto us. God, that we would... God, get the temperance and the power and the ability to shut it down and to move it out and to say no to it, Lord, and to bring self-control into our life, Lord, so that when spiritual things come, we have power over the devil. We have power over temptation. God, help us to control those things that are not sin so that when sin comes, we can control them as well and we have power over them. Lord, help us to bring temperance into our life. Help us to bring accountability into our life. Father, I ask it in the wonderful, mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray it, we speak it in the wonderful name. In the wonderful name. Can you clap your hands to the Lord? Let's give Him praise tonight. God, we love You. We praise You. We adore You, Lord. We love You. We adore You. We love You, Lord. We praise You. Thou art wonderful, O God. Thou look wonderful, Lord. You are wonderful, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Everybody say temperance. Tell your neighbor, I am an individual of self-control through Christ. God bless you. You, you are dismissed.